You're listening to All Things Crime, brought to you by Abject Entertainment. Be sure to check out some of the other great true crime podcasts from this network, including The Murder in My Family, Missing Persons, DNA ID, Scene of the Crime, Three Men and a Mystery, and Zodiac Speaking. All of these podcasts are available for you to binge on right now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe where you're listening to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. Warning, All Things Crime is a true crime production that may contain violent or disturbing material. Viewer or listener discretion is advised. Hey guys, part three of my discussion with Sergeant Betsy Branster-Smith. And I love this one because it's got Fifi in it. Enjoy. is is when these business owners leave these communities then we're we're left with you'll you'll hear a lot when we talk about poor communities that there are uh, retail deserts and food deserts and things that's because these business owners you know if you can't make a profit and then like you said small business their margin is already slim to begin with if they can't protect their businesses and the police can't help them protect their businesses why would they stay in these areas where, you know, crime is almost encouraged? So, yeah, they end up leaving. You know, I just read something yesterday. There were two studies that came out in a post-George Floyd uh, riot era. Because a lot of people say, well, the insurance will, you know, the, we burned down a Wendy's in Atlanta, but insurance will build it back up. Yeah, they'll build it back one time. But then, you know, insurance companies aren't forced to insure you. So there's all these small business owners who now can't get insurance and now they, because they can't get insurance, you know, whatever happens to them happens and they, they can't make any money. So they leave, like you said, and they go somewhere where the police are allowed to do their job. The insurance companies will insure them. And frankly, the community uh, appreciates them. And when they do leave, they take jobs with them. They take revenues with them. They take, good people with them. I mean, there's only so many people that have the willingness really to be a a business owner. Entrepreneurship is kind of a rare thing. And trust me, there is risk and there is stress and there is, um, (laughs) yep. It's not for the faint of heart. I know. No, no. I'll tell you, there's been more than one night where I, my wife has woke me up because I'm grinding my teeth and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> I'm thinking about something at work. Yeah. So, you know, we've all had to adjust to this new COVID environment. And yeah, it's it's crazy. Back to the business owner that is there. And, and again, if they have a, a brick and mortar type of a business where they have to operate from a certain location and they've and it doesn't matter if they've been there for decades at some junction, they have to, well, when you can't pay your bills, it's done. You're done. Yeah. And eventually they, they either have to just close up shop or they're going to move. They're going to go somewhere where they can conduct business safely. Mm-hmm. And the only way that will ever happen 
is if there's a pre a police presence again back to that person that said well i don't i don't need the police running around yes you do <laughs> you know you you may be able to personally protect your your own home because you're if you're enabled to be armed you know you don't have one of these city ordinances that like chicago i don't know how anybody lives in chicago you can't can't defend yourself that's right yeah, my youngest kid lives there and it's very, the gun laws are very frustrating. But mm. the thing is, even for somebody like you said, who says, well, I can protect my own home. You're still subject to the law. And if you end up uh, shooting an intruder or somebody you perceive to be an intruder, you know, you still have to go through a police investigation. You're still subject to prosecution. So it's not as cut and dried. It's not, it, you know, it's like you said, it's not the wild, wild west. It's not as cut and dried as it would seem. And, uh, and that can be very costly. You'll have to hire an attorney, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the police are, are you know, that's, that's our job. We, we, you know, an American law enforcement appreciates the Second Amendment. We appreciate people who are able to take care of themselves. But we all still have to follow the, the laws of the Constitution and, and local, state, and federal law as well. So you don't want to just be this lone wolf out there saying, well, I'll just protect me and mine. You have to involve the government, and the government is law enforcement a lot of times. Yeah. And why would you want, to, why would you want that anyway? Yeah. You know, it's, my, my point to that, to that friend was that, yes, you may be able to protect your own home, but when you go to get in your car and you drop your kid off at school, you want that school to be safe. You want the streets to be safe. You know, there's a reason that carjackings are up so much in Minneapolis. Yeah. It's because everybody around there knows that the law enforcement's not around. And even if they do get caught, there's not going to be any penalty for it. So, you know what, let's go steal a car. Maybe we can, um, you know, go hawk it and get it chopped up and make a little payday. But 400%, that's an insane number. Well, it is. And, and, and that's because, you know, again, the criminals know that in Minneapolis, they're shorthanded, things like that. I think when, too, you know, you talked about with kids, you know, you take your kid to school. There's a lot of areas where kids are not yet in school, but they will be soon. You know, so we haven't really heard about school shootings. And actually, until this week, there was a, a fatal shooting in a junior high. The school resource officer wasn't there. A lot of the defund the police, a lot of their movement says get kids or I'm sorry, get uh, police out of schools. Um, the Los Angeles uh, Unified School District just voted to remove school resource officers from the schools and put them uh, out in patrol vehicles near the schools. So what happens when we have our first school shooting and there's no school resource officer there? There's no security. How are we going to handle that? What, 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 is, what is America going to say? Because everybody remembers the Parkland school shooting in Florida where everybody was enraged because the school resource officer did not respond appropriately well now we're just told we're going to get kids out of school and uh, uh or i'm sorry we're going to get police officers out of the schools they're just moving so backward when it comes to protecting uh our communities protecting our kids and again it's all based on a false narrative police officers are not gunning down innocent people in this country it's a lie but nobody wants to talk about the truth because it's not politically correct it's uncomfortable to talk about the truth, which in and of itself is just unbelievably silly. Every big movement needs a scapegoat and they need a target. 
And unfortunately, yep. right now, it's the police. And I, I think there's multiple reasons for that. And all of them are sinister. And I am scared for the day that if, if this continues the way, it, the, the way it is, then a lot of people in the United States will have no choice but to replace the police with themselves. And that's when it's going to get really ugly. And it, it's going to be a sad day. But Hopefully that day never comes and hopefully we can uh, uh, come back to common sense policies and allowing the police to actually do their job because, again, they will police their own. And when the, the bad police, the, you know, the people that aren't there to actually serve the community and be there for the right reasons, eventually they'll find them out and they'll get rid of them. But until that day, it's just one of those that we're just going to have to weather this storm and hopefully we can all come out on top. Well, and that's what we're trying to do here at the National Police Association is we're trying to give people an outlet to be able to support the police. A lot of people don't know what to do to support their local law enforcement. So that's what we're trying to do is to show people ways that they can support their local law enforcement because it doesn't just benefit law enforcement. It ultimately benefits the community. So what would you recommend? Well, so I, here's what I would tell people, you know, first and foremost, when you see a police officer, smile and wave at them, you know, and cops love things like when somebody, you know, their kids, I know this happens a lot in our local police department here, kids will draw pictures or write thank you letters and stuff, and people will drop it off at the station. There's a lot of areas where you can go to a, a back the blue situation. And then I would ask people to, uh, go to our website, uh, nationalpolice.org, and uh, look at our uh, public service announcements. You know, if you see a cop in trouble, you see a cop getting beat up, and there's no other cops around, ask that cop, hey, do you need some help? A lot of people just pull out their cell phone and record it. A lot of times police officers need some help. So see if you can help. And I would also ask you, follow us on Facebook and on Twitter and get involved in supporting your local police because all the polling tells us, there are Gallup polls, Rasmussen polls, most people appreciate the police. Most people don't want us defunded. In fact, they want more police. And, and, and especially in poor communities and communities of color, when polled, African-Americans are the number one group of people who say, I don't want less police in my neighborhood I want more police. So find out what you can do and the National Police Association can help you do that. Oh, that's awesome. You know, um, Cheryl McCollum, I don't know if you know her, she's, um, uh, she's awesome out, out of Atlanta. We were having a conversation one time and we came up with a hashtag PosiPoll and it stands for Positive Police Pictures. I love it. And uh, we shortened it, you know, kind of like Interpol a kind of a play on that, but hashtag PosiPoll. In fact, I've already already seen a few uh, pictures of it that, you know, just if you, if you see a policeman, you know, at a grocery store or something, stop, take a picture with them, you know, do yes. a selfie. Everybody's consumed with selfies anyway. Take a, take a selfie with a cop and then post it with hashtag PosiPoll. And imagine if, if just the 700,000 police officers and, and law enforcement around the country took one picture even a week and posted it somewhere on social media with a hashtag posi poll, 
the social media would be flooded with amazing pictures. That's a fantastic pictures. idea. That you know, is a fantastic idea. All the, all the pictures of police where they're helping somebody change a tire or, you know, getting a cat out of a tree, you know, all the things that are, <laughs> you know, back in the fifties uh, when you, you actually saw that happen, you know, mm -hmm. just things that, but it, they're, they're doing things all the time. You always hear of officers and it's usually, usually hear of a week or two later when somebody gets, gets uh, busted for shoplifting and instead of taking them downtown, the cop pays for their groceries. Yep. Those kind of things happen all the time. You know, the very nature of police officers, I found, and it, they're just like military. None of us really want the, uh, the spotlight on us. None of us really want to, to be thrown up and put on a pedestal and said, oh, you know, given all sorts of accolades. That's, that's not why we do the job. I'm Mike Morford, and I've been researching the Zodiac case for years. Zodiac, just the name. It sounds sinister. It inspires fear. The fact that a serial killer would give himself this moniker is disturbing. He would go on to taunt police by sending letters and codes to newspapers for years. And the attacks, they were something else altogether. If you were a young couple in a secluded area, you could easily be a target. And it wasn't just shootings on dark lovers' lanes. Zodiac would even attack with a knife in broad daylight while wearing an executioner-style hood. After a while, Zodiac changed tactics, and even lone cab drivers weren't safe. The Zodiac killer terrorized the San Francisco Bay Area and then vanished, but he left a lot of clues behind along the way. Clues that we're going to examine closely on the new podcast, Zodiac Speaking. New episodes of Zodiac Speaking come out every other Saturday starting March 13, 2021. Subscribe today wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. But if nobody else will toot your horn, you need to do it. And exactly. the, the police officers that are out there are doing great things every day. Take your cell phone out and take a picture for crying out loud. You know, stand up for yourselves and start that hashtag posi poll. I, I think if that trended and if that really started going global and if people were to see more of what police actually do, because everything, I, I can't say everything, but 99.9% .9 of everything that police do is behind the scenes. You never know. Yep. And so get it out there. We, we've got somehow we have to counter the narrative that the police are systemically racist and they need to be defunded and we don't need police anymore. That's just garbage. And it, it frankly, it needs to be countered. And the only way to do it is if good people, including the police, stand up for themselves and start getting the, the, the better news out there. Because right now it, it's, it's kind of like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to use an, an analogy that's, that's over dramatic or anything, but you know, the number one problem we found that prior to nine 11, we did not recognize that we were at war, right. they were at war with us, but we, we didn't recognize that, that we should have been at war and we should have been much more ready. Well, the police need to understand, and I'm sure the police as a whole individually, they understand that the war, they are being, uh, they are at war and whether or not they're fighting back or not is, you know, that, that's, that remains to be seen, but especially, you know, folks like you that are up there with the national police association, you have a strong voice. You can get out there and say, Hey, 
it's time for us to stand up for ourselves because you guys are being unjustly vilified and it's wrong. And you need to understand that the vast majority of people out here in the community support you. But at the same time, we want you to stand up for yourselves. And, and an easy way to do it is to just start taking some pictures of the good things that you're doing. I love it. I love it. That's a fantastic idea because we really, truly do need the community to do our job. Yeah. So, hey, it's kind of a tradition with all things crime to before before I let you go to kind of lighten things up a little bit. You got to tell us some kind of a fun something that was just hysterical that happened to you in, in your entire career. So a story that you love to tell at Thanksgiving. So ah, anything oh, that stands out boy. that um, something that happened that uh, you'd love to share with the audience? Oh boy, you're gonna have to edit this because I got to think about that. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I should have. I should have. Uh, but I, 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 I'll tell you, not not all of them are not. Most of them are not funny uh, for the public. <laughs> I okay, I got one. Go okay. Ready? Okay, here we go. So here's your edit. So uh, when I was a young police officer, I went to a, uh, a burglary of a home and it was a rather wealthy couple and, uh, and sadly they had been uh, burglarized. So, you know, we went in and we did our thing and, and uh, you know, forensics came and all of that. And the, the sweet, sweet lady who uh, owned the home brought me her little like $5,000 Bichon little dog that had just, you know, gotten back from the groomer. That dog was better quaffed than I was. And uh, she handed me little Fifi and said, you know, I, I, I think I can trust you because I know that she's going to need to be fingerprinted and you're going to need her DNA and things to eliminate uh, her. Cause I'm sure that the, uh, the bad guys petted her when they came in and burglarized her house. So uh, officer, I'm gonna hand her to you to do all the fingerprinting and the analysis. And so I was like, oh boy. And she was just so sincere. So I took little Fifi in her little uh, bow haired uh, haircut and I took her out to the forensics guys. And I'm like, throw a little fingerprint dust on this little white dog because I gotta convince this lady that this dog has been fingerprinted and cleared. And uh, so we, we did that and uh, she was so happy that her dog was part of the investigation. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. You know, I've heard some great stories. That is hysterical. That is so funny. I... <laughs> yeah, it was one Go of those out and make sure there's no fingerprints on Fifi because we know she got petted. And we know that on that dog fur, we can get a good fingerprint and probably collect some DNA. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'll tell you, I bet that poor dog had that fingerprint ink on it for weeks because they did, the, the forensic guys, uh, they threw a lot of fingerprint dust around on that dog. Oh, that stuff's nasty. I can't believe that uh, they would want their dog to be have fingerprint powder all over them, but you know, I'll bet that lady took Fifi to every single neighbor in the entire neighborhood and was showing her off, say, yeah, Fifi, <laughs> they got some I fingerprints of the, the people that broke into my home. They got fingerprints off of Fifi. <laughs> oh, that's absolutely Undoubtedly. awesome. That's the thing about law enforcement. We have 
you know, even though it can be a terribly tragic profession, gosh, we have a lot of fun. As your guests all, I'm sure, tell you, you know, we all have lots of funny stories and, and uh, you know, it's just, we do have a lot of fun in police work, just like you did in the military. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I'm going to actually put together a show that just highlights all of the funny stories that I'm getting because some of them are just hysterical. I, 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 a lady that was attacked and the guy on the way out the door steals her vacuum cleaner. Uh, you know, a, a lady that, that uh, was a patrol officer and she got called to come get the Sasquatch out of the backyard that was dancing around a fire. You know, it, the stories just go on and on. And I just love it. You know, that's one of my favorite parts of these interviews is just hearing some of these funny stories. But yeah, fingerprint powder on Fifi. That's that'll that'll definitely make the highlight real. I love it. Okay, well, Betsy, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing some of your thoughts. And I, I just hope that we can do this again. And it'll be nothing but fun and, and awesome stuff. And we won't have to talk about you know, the George Floyd case. Absolutely. I look forward to that, to that. And hopefully it's coming soon. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Thank you so much. You have a great week and uh, make sure to tell everybody at the uh, uh, National Police Association hi for us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Okay. We'll talk to you later. Thank you for listening to All Things Crime. We are so grateful for all of our listeners. If you enjoyed this, please give us a positive review so other people can find it as well. Have an amazing All Things Crime Day.